You're listening to The Riverwalk, the preaching ministry of Beth River Baptist Church in Winsboro, Louisiana. Today we start a new church year and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Passover and the Lord's Supper. Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. If you have a Bible this morning, and I really, really hope you do, I'd like you to turn first to Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. Exodus is about the children of Israel's exodus to the promised land, leaving a land of slavery and a land that they didn't belong in, going back to where the promised land, to where God's land was promised to them. And in just a little bit, we're going to read in Luke chapter 22. So you could turn there if you want to, but first we're going to start in Exodus chapter 12. And just a little while after the service, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper, or what some call communion. And really, for a long time, a long, long, long time, when the church was first formed even, that's something that has really confused outsiders. Why do we do this? Why do we take up the cup? Why do we eat the bread? And I want to explain to you today why we do this. The Lord's Supper was instituted during Passover. Jesus got with his disciples and they celebrated the the feast of Passover. And that feast of Passover, we're going to read about, was was, uh, introduced, it was implemented in Exodus chapter 12. So I want to read a little bit about the Passover before we read about the Lord's Supper. I want you to first look in Exodus chapter 12 in verse 40. At the end of the Passover, it says, Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of 430 years on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. I wanted to start there because I want you to understand, first off, the kind of condition these Israelites were in. So many times as children, we hear the story of Exodus and we really don't understand the gravity. We really don't understand how bad it was for the Israelites. 430 years the children of Israel was in bondage. They were there for 430 years. Put it in perspective, America is not even 300 years old yet. Just imagine if, I were, if you were in a land you didn't belong in and you couldn't ask your dad, your granddad, or even your great-grandfather about what it was like before slavery. That's the kind of condition they were in, and it ended after the Passover. That's why this was implemented, so they would never, ever forget that God passed over and God delivered these children, the, the Israelites, from slavery, from bondage. Now, let's read a little bit more about what happened before that. First off, I think it's neat to note in Exodus chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. That's one of the reasons we're starting out our church here this way. This is our first Sunday of the new church here. And we're going to remember today what Jesus has done for us. We're going to remember today the great sacrifice he made for us. Reading a little bit more about the Passover now. Look down in verse 12, Exodus 12, 12. This is what God said he was going to do to deliver them. He said, for I will pass through the land of Egypt... On that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, 
both man and beast, and against all gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That's in your bulletin as a memory verse. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care who's in the house. I care about seeing the blood and I'll pass over you. Look now down in verse 23 when all this came to be. It said, For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as He promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when He struck the Egyptian Egyptians and delivered our household. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. They did. They listened and they did what they were told to do. And then this is what happened in verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And just like that, God passed over. And just like that, after 430 years in bondage, 430 years in a land they didn't belong in, just like that, it was over. And the Pharaoh says, get out. Get out. I don't want you here. Go and be on your way. Most of you know the rest of the story. But I just want to look at that this morning. And I want to compare the condition we're in today with the condition they were in back then. Because a lot of us look at this and a lot of us look with our human eyes and a lot of us look at this and we say we're not like the Israelites at all. Praise the Lord, slavery's been outlawed. Praise the Lord, I've got freedom to worship like I want to. Praise the Lord, I live in America, the land of the free. But I want you to notice these three little things today before we get to the Lord's Supper. And I want you to know that indeed we are a whole lot like the Israelites. First off, I want you to notice one thing. Just like we just said the Israelites were in a foreign land. Well, people, I want to tell you something today. Whether you're an atheist here this morning or you're a Christian, like the Israelites, we are in a foreign land. Egypt was the only land they ever called home, the only land they ever knew. But they longed for something more. They longed for something better. They longed for something that was promised to them. And church, I want to tell you, this is the only land I've ever known. I've traveled but America, even right here in Louisiana, for the most part, this is the only land I've ever known. But in my heart of hearts, I know that I know that I know this is not my home. I know there's something bigger out there. I know when I close my eyes in death, that's not the end. I know that I'm not home. And as a Christian, I know I'm not at home in a land that celebrates evil. 
I know I'm not at home in a land that, that celebrates the massacre of unborn babies. This is not it for me. There's something better. I know I'm not at home. I'm not at home in a world where evil seems to prevail. I'm not at home where love just seems so hard to see and so hard to find. Oh, it's America, land of the free, but I know I'm not at home in a land that's so divided on so many things. Man, my home is not going to be a place that's divided on something as silly as a mask or a vaccine or Republican or Democrat or black and white. Folks, I'm not home and you're not either. I'm not a home in a land that's ravaged by sickness, cancer or COVID and death. It's just not right. I know I'm not home. And I, I want to tell you, church, we all know there is something more. From the youngest to the oldest, from the Buddhist to the Muslim, we know there is something more. It's one of the reasons that we vacation, we go to the mountains or we go to the beach just to see the majesty and all. And we are reminded of the beauty that we are made for. We are reminded that there is a creator. Church, I just want to tell you that God has a promised land awaiting us. Things were dark were so dark for the Israelites. And things are dark for us today too. Let's not beat around the bush. Things are dark. I'm reminded every day as a Christian that people, even Americans, absolutely hate Christians. They hate the good and they love evil. Everything we stand for, they absolutely hate it. Christians who were free to worship just two or three weeks ago are now being martyred in Afghanistan. I'm not at home. And it's all across the world. I'm in a foreign land and you are too, whether you realize it or not. But just there's something else in this picture that we're like. We would say we're not, we're not in slavery, Brother Kevin. Brother Kevin, we're, we're not uh, answering to a Pharaoh. But I would argue today that we are. Just like the Israelites, we are in bondage. And it's not to a king. It's not to a president. It's not to a pastor. It's not to a Pharaoh. But we're in bondage to a thing called sin. In Romans chapter 6, the apostle Paul wrote about this. He called us all slaves of sin. He says in Romans six nineteen, because of the weakness of your flesh, for just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanliness and lawlessness, lawlessness leading to more lawlessness. And church, I just want to tell you, even though I'm a pastor, even though I follow Christ as, as close as I can, it doesn't matter. No matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, even how much I hate sin, I seemed enslaved to it. Everything in me wants to sin. I can't escape it. I'm a slave to sin. No matter how hard I try, it's there. And sin destroys the flesh, just like the Egyptians tried to destroy the Israelites. Now, here we get to the problem. It's a problem that we all have to deal with. Here's the question this morning. Just like the Israelites, they had this question. How can I be saved from something I can't escape? I can't get rid of the sin no matter how hard I try. No matter how hard I try to live holy, no matter how many church services I come to, no matter how many revival services I come to, no matter how much I read my Bible... 
I just can't seem to escape it. So how can I be saved from something I can't escape? And how can I go to a land that I've never seen, but I know that exists? And even more hard than that, how can I gain entrance to this land where sinners are not allowed? The Israelites were in a real predicament, but I want to tell you this morning, we're in a real predicament as well. But God's got a plan. God had a plan for the Israelites and God's got a plan for all of us today. Looking at the world, looking at the curse we are all under, looking at the slavery, looking at the bondage that none of us can overcome on our own. Praise the Lord. God sent a new Passover lamb for us. He sent a new Passover lamb for Kevin. He sent a new Passover lamb for Beth River Baptist Church. He sent a new Passover lamb for Liddyville, Louisiana, Afghanistan, and the whole world. He provided a way out of bondage. And he provided a way to get to the promised land. A church great reward requires great sacrifice. A sacrifice that no one in history was qualified to pay. Except one man, Jesus Christ. Only one person in all of history was able to live perfect. And only one person was able to go to the cross and pay that debt that we all owe. And that man was Jesus. Romans 6.23 put it this way. Paul put it this way. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is why Jesus came. Jesus came to deliver us from slavery. Jesus came to give us a way to get to that promised land. Jesus came to free us. He's the Passover lamb. Now turn to Luke. Turn to Luke chapter 22. And this is the very feast that Jesus and his disciples were celebrating. This was the very time of year. And I, I don't know how anybody could view that as an accident. Jesus sat down with his disciples and Jesus took the bread, he took the wine, and he told them a few things that I want us to pay attention to today. And remember, this is Jesus talking. It says, when the hour, Luke chapter 22, verse 14, it says, Now when the hour, when the hour had come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in, rem in remembrance of me. Verse 20. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. Listen, there's just a few things I want you to notice from this Lord's Supper. A few things that so many times we, we look over and we don't realize what Jesus was saying here. And as a matter of fact, I really don't think that the disciples even realized what was going on here. But I think when they look back, they, it all made sense to them. So first thing I want you to notice 
is that Jesus was not forced to the cross. So many times, and I've heard unbelievers say this, they, they get angry at God and they'll say, what kind of God would send his son to the cross? But folks, Jesus was not forced to the cross. He, he went willingly. In verse 19, it said, my body, which is given to you. Jesus wasn't drug. He went willingly. In John chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus said, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Listen, don't get mixed up this morning. I don't believe Jesus wanted to go to the cross, but He went willingly. He went willingly. He saw the need and he saw that he could meet the need. He saw you and he saw me and he did it willingly. And once again, why did he do it? Why did he do it? And who did he do it for? Verse 19 and verse 20 both say, this is my body which is given for you. Verse 20, my blood which is shed for you. He did it for you. He didn't do it because you deserved it. He died because you did not deserve it. He died for the very sins that you've committed. He died for the sins that you will commit. The sins you've committed is why he went to the cross, because he was the only one that could pay the price. Church, think of how serious this is. For every lie you've told, for every time you've disobeyed your parents, for every hateful thought you've ever had, for every unholy thing you've ever put in your body, for everything you've watched and you shouldn't have watched, for every curse word you've ever said, for every time you've hated your neighbor instead of loving your neighbor, Jesus looked down at you and said, I'm going for you, Kevin. I'm doing it for you. I'm not being forced. I'm going for you. I'm going to provide a way for you to have this better life. The sins of all mankind for me, for you, even for little Esther. The truth is we're all, all very sinful creature. We are, we are totally depraved creature. Even Esther, even Jeremiah, even the youngest baby who was born. He didn't do it because we deserved it. He did it because we needed it. And what of this verse 19? It's just like the Passover. Why did they take the Passover? Why did they institute that feast? They did it and the command was, you'll tell your children about this. You're going to remember every time you drink of this cup, you're going to remember the blood. And Jesus said this, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember this. Don't you ever, ever forget what I'm about to do for you. Don't you forget it. We are to remember what Jesus did for us. Listen, people might listen to me and they might think that I'm a bad, bad father. I can't believe you would call your little girl a depraved creature. But listen, church, I don't want her and I don't want you to come up here and say some recited prayer and not realize exactly what Jesus did for you. You cannot know how great of a salvation you have. You can't appreciate the gravity of what Jesus did on the cross until you realize the depravity of your fallen condition. 
Listen, when we come to Christ, we shouldn't go to Christ expecting forgiveness because we deserve it. We should go broken. We should go knowing that we don't deserve what he did for us. So may we never, ever forget what he did for us. Man, when you realize that, when you grab a hold of that truth, man, you'll love Jesus so much it will change everything. So let's remember him this morning. Let's remember him this church year. Let's remember him when the church meets on Sundays, when the church meets on Wednesdays, or any evangelistic events we have this church year. May we never, ever forget what Jesus did on the cross. May we never forget when we see someone as lost and in bondage as we once were. Let's never forget what Jesus did when he shed his blood and when he gave his body. Let's never forget when we're tempted to sin. Let's remember what our Savior did on that cross to forgive us of that sin. And church, let's remember Jesus when we're at our very, very highest. Let's remember Jesus when the hurricane passes. But let's remember Jesus when the hurricane comes right over Liddyville. May we never, ever forget what Jesus did for us on that cross. And may we never, ever take it for granted. It will change your life if it hasn't already. Listen, the, the question, the question I'm going to close with before we have an invitation. This is the question that changes everything. When you look back and you remember, when we take of this cup and we take of the bread in a minute, and we remember all that Jesus has done for us, even when we did not deserve it. When you remember, I want you to ask the question today, what have you done for him? Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you know if you feel like you're living in bondage and you're living in a foreign land that you can have something better by just accepting the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Have a great week.